welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Myself, Stuart Court and Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm good. I, come on, Stu. You need to you need to rally here. Yeah, can you win a Can you win a podcast in the first quarter of an hour? Clearly not. Clearly not. Um, yeah. T- tell them what. Tell them what's happened, Stu. Um, tell them what's uh, happened. Come on. My, my internet in my house has returned to the early nineties uh, when I walked w- walked in from work uh, twenty four minutes ago. Uh, so that's 23 minutes I've been trying to bring uh, this house up to 2021. And you've done it. Now let's go. Come on. Sort of. Sort of. Before we in, uh, introduce our guest this week, you're now homeowner, officially a homeowner as well. My last podcast from this flat before we move next week. But no one wants to hear about that. Come on. <laughs> Uh, Joining us this week, uh, former Seahawks beat writer, now living it up in Las Vegas. It's Mr. Joe, Vegas Joe. In, uh, now, how are we? Joe Fan. Hey, fellas. What's going on? Stu, that's a late work night for you, man. Yeah. You always work so late. Look at you, man. Adam's probably just kicking it. He's got the catering business on autopilot, and you're over here grinding away, putting in long hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, was, I was watching uh, horse racing and dog racing until about an hour ago. So, yeah, that's okay. My, my life is not. Um, as glamorous as Stu runs, Stu runs the Coventry version of the Wynn Hotel, aka a Paddy Power Bookies <laughs> uh, and Coven, Coventry High Street. Yeah, so it's yeah. ba- there's, basically there's, the same thing. Yeah, there's a, there's yeah. a lot of an emotional hedging going on in uh, my shop. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, as there should be. Yeah, it's, n- it's never be. a good thing. I saw. Get in that bin. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, I'll yeah, live in that bin. Last time we spoke to Joe, you were in Seattle. Now you're in Vegas. How how was the move? How's it? going uh man it's been interesting you know I, I didn't expect to move i didn't expect for things to kind of go down the way they did i, I kind of assumed i'd be at nbc sports northwest for a long time covering the seahawks um but that network is no more um it uh, ceased to exist so i found myself as a free agent and you know is a is a definitely a stressful process where you you work on patience as best you can um but uh, i had a few opportunities kind of finally materialize and this is one where you know the offer was good in terms of you know the the money and you know I just think this is where the sports industry is headed and we're early innings um in terms of where this thing is headed right now win bet is only in eight states my guess is by over the course of these two years that my contract is um is for it will probably be in 25 plus and within five years it'll be 50 you know so that's where it's headed. Um, and there's not much more relatable than, than sports betting. And so, you know, it's been a pivot for sure. Um, and I, I definitely missed all the folks in Seattle and all that and in home and my friends and, uh, and family and all that, but it's been a fun adventure so far. I still kind of pinch myself. Like, this is crazy. I live in Vegas. Like <laughs> it doesn't feel real, but it's cool. How, how many, how many States is it legally now? Cause obviously I think New Jersey have, New York have passed it, didn't they? So it's different than like it's like sports betting is is legal in more than eight, but like digital betting where like the apps are legal and it does you don't have to go through a physical sports book. Um, that is that is still very much uh, in its infancy. So um, I think yeah, I think it's just eight states for the app, but it's more than that in terms of who can you know actually place bets. Like Washington now is legalized sports betting to a degree, and it can happen at specific casinos, but. Um, they don't allow like DraftKings, FanDuel, WinBet, you know, whatever else out there, um, you know, yet. So it seems it seems like the American gambling scene like is obviously 
hugely on the rise. I mean, it's, you know, it's now not undercover. But so in the UK, it's very much foisted upon you whether you want to bet or not. So half the soccer teams have uh, gambling sponsors, as Stu will show you. And they've now banned like uh, advertising and whistle to whistle. But outside of the actual game, you're like bombarded with gambling adverts and the radio, you're bombarded with it. And I think we're almost getting to that sort of pushback point where like there might be a bit too much. And it's almost if you want to avoid gambling, you can't. But in America, like from the podcast I listened to or whatever, it it almost was like in, in a healthier state whereby you almost have to seek it out if you want to hear about it. It's not kind of foisted upon you. Is that is that fair? The ads are everywhere. I mean, <laughs> it's booming, certainly. And, and, you know, everyone's offering different promos to get people on board, you know, whether it's risk-free bets, all of that. I mean, certainly we are doing that. And I think people have really enjoyed the promos we've rolled out with WinBet. And can you advertise that on TV and the radio and stuff like that? Yeah, I, we're not running national ads. Ours is very much localized in terms of where it's becoming legal. Um, so, but yeah, it's definitely out there. I mean, you, uh, there's no hiding from it at this point. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's fun. It's weird having this. I still kind of want to pride myself as like a sports guy who likes to kind of bet as entertainment as opposed to like follow tail my picks because i'm gonna win you money you know whatever like i don't i don't want that responsibility like mm -hmm. i'm just a, i'm just a blind dude throwing darts at the wall and just <laughs> seeing what hits and um but it is it's fun um i remember actually i went my one trip to london i went to an arsenal game i think i've told you guys this before but i remember seeing the sports book or whatever you call it there but you know the, the basically the booth where you could place bets during the game or mm. before the game, all of it. And you're just like, man, it's, it's crazy. It's that would never fly or at least, you know, it, it eventually will. But at that point I could never fathom that happening in the States. Whereas at that game, you can't drink alcohol at your seats. <laughs> and so like those two things, you know, like I, I can't fathom not being able to take a beer to your seat. People would riot. And, you know, I went to a game in Brazil, uh, not Brazil, um, Spain, went to a, um, a Barcelona game and they don't even sell alcohol in the mm -hmm. venue. So it's just insane. The differences in, in cultures and sports cultures and American sports have absolutely prioritized the, the tailgating part of it, the, uh, the, the booze part of it and, the, and all that. It's all, but also that's a sports thing because you can go to a rugby game or a cricket game and you can drink in the stands like it's yeah it's just a soccer thing for some reason soccer thing over here interesting okay like you, in certain stages you can't even take bottle lids to your seat in soccer yeah stage. we can't be trusted not to throw a bottle at someone uh which in fairness yeah i've had the <laughs> yeah. urge i've had the urge yeah yeah uh right yeah. the Seahawks. we might have to talk about them for a little bit um obviously in vegas now are you you kind of regretting your kind of the dying ember days of the the Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, whatever this is at this point, you kind of... You'd be fire you know, at this point, Joe. Yeah, at this point, because, I mean, we, I mean, some people don't want us to be negative, but it feels like, um, like Softy said, the middle of the end last week. That's what it kind of feels like from our vantage point. Yeah, I'm still very much engaged. Uh, I'm, I'm on a weekly podcast there. I'm still doing some radio hits. And so I'm definitely tapped in. I probably have a little bit of freedom with my you know, Twitter account now, even more so. Not that I was ever tight-lipped, but even now, a little bit more sarcasm and banter. And sometimes that's probably good. Sometimes it's probably not my best moments. But um, 
you know, I, I certainly had my fun with the Jamal Adams game last Thursday um, as he was getting um, beat all over the place. It is. I, I said, I got, I mean, I got called the, you know, the, the, the media. I mean, we talked about this all off season guys. It was like, I was the guy who I was the big, bad media guy who was creating something out of nothing. And, you know, was, was peddling this Russell Wilson and the fracture with the, the organization narrative more than it actually existed. I said going into the season, this is one of the most pivotal years in the franchise's history. This is a, a turning point of whether um, they're going to be able to salvage their relationship with Russell Wilson, John Schneider, and Pete Carroll, and, and those three are going to be continuing to be the, the triumvirate that is the face of this organization. And um, I think I said going into the season, and I still believe that there's a very possibility if this continues to go south, that this will be the last year those three are together in Seattle, in which case Jody Allen would then have to step in for the first time since she became the head owner and decide who her favorite child is and, you know, whether she indeed wants to trade away the, the best player in franchise history and keep Pete Carroll and John Schneider, you know, whatever the case. So um, it is going to be fascinating six months, eight months for this team. Yeah. But also like Jay Glazer went on national TV before the game last Thursday and said Russell Wilson will look to leave again next spring. And no one seemed to notice he said that. Yeah. I, I'm not bad denying any of that because to me, it's like, yep. That's what <laughs> I expected. You know, like this, this had to be, or has to be, I don't want to say it's over yet. It's only five games, but like, I think we can see where the writing is on the wall for what this team is capable of this season. Had to be a significant step forward. Playoffs weren't good enough. Division title wasn't good enough. They had to make it, in my opinion, to the NFC Championship game. Um, and it doesn't feel like they're going to get there. And so at that point, your resources are so tied up pretty much across the board, whether it's draft capital, cap space, all of that, you almost need sweeping changes because it becomes very evident at that point that, that you don't have the pieces in place. Like this is not a team – with a wide open championship window. This is a team that just saw its championship window shut. So at that point, you have to make adjustments and significant ones. And none would be more significant than, you know, either changing this, you know, who your head coach is or, or potentially moving Russ. Well, it's interesting because Greg Olson straight after the Jay Glazer thing said that, you know, Russell has spoken about how he wants to enhance his legacy and enhance his legendary status. I mean, firstly, you don't do that to your, you don't become legendary yourself. Like you, you don't dictate your legacy. We, people say what your legacy is. And so I find that whole thing and like his Insta, his tweet about, you know, a lion heart with a, you know, you broke a finger, mate, you know, give over. Um, he, that, that's just weird. And that's if anything, yeah. Us. But if, you, if you've any, seen this movie for, t- for yeah, a decade. I know. And it's so tiresome. And yet he's the last person on the team I'd want to move. Um, and the worry for me is that if anything was going to make him realize about his footballing mortality, it would be a stupid injury like this that puts him out for four weeks and costs him a season. And for me, it might make him want to push for a move even more than he otherwise would have done if we just had a bad season. Um, but as intolerable as he is, as annoying as he is, like I can barely even listen to him speak. I would trade every other player on the roster and the coach and the GM and almost let Wilson build the team himself because I'm looking at these rookie quarterbacks or these placeholder quarterbacks and they're all shit. And it's like, what's the point? 
Like, I'm not watching that. I can't do it. I, it's, it's, that's the issue. I mean, it's all well and good to say, like, we're going to move on, save the cap space, get some draft picks. But then what? Because this is a team that thought that Charlie Whitehurst was a viable option. This was the team that thought Matt Flynn was going to be the guy um, based on a couple of games in Green Bay that when, you know, he, he got his shot. I, it's, <laughs> I just keep going. Like, I don't, I'm trying not to like go down these like doomsday paths for this organization, but it's hard to avoid them mm-hmm. because there's no light at the end of the tunnel right now. And you're not replacing Russ. And, you know, you look at, I was actually just on my show, the bet to win podcast name, drop that real quick. Uh, <laughs> listen to this one then go check that out. Um, I was talking about Joe Burrow and how like him and Jamar chase is like kind of the next, they've had a very consistent, good quarterback play and elite wide receiver, you know, from Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson to AJ green and Andy Dalton. You think about like Andy Dalton's a great example of a quarterback where he was never Russ but the dude's a three-time pro bowler and like at his prime was a damn good quarterback. Mm. I think of a guy like current Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, maybe what Baker Mayfield's ceiling is like good players, but not Russell Wilson. So how do you replace that? Cause you're going to in- inevitably end up with this guy who you say they're good and you could do a whole lot worse than X player. But this player isn't necessarily the reason why we're winning games in and of himself. And Russell Wilson is that player. I was thinking about this too. How many players on the Seahawks roster are the reason you win games? DK, Tyler, Russ, potentially a couple names in the offensive line, potentially Chris Carson when he's eating. Yeah. I mean, there's not a single player on the defensive side of the football right now. No. Who would you get a first round pick for right now if you traded the whole roster? Russ and the, DK? The, yeah, the first two you mentioned. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You're not getting a first for Jamal at this point. Nah. You're not getting one for, what, 33 year old middle linebacker? With, with that contract. Yeah. yeah. And you're not getting one for Daryl Taylor, who's only got, what, three and a half sacks in 19 months of being an NFL player. I know. That's true. No. And also, there's not. It doesn't appear that there's a Justin Herbert coming through in the draft this year or any year coming either, really. But even if you, even if you, yeah, but like, first round pick this year, yeah, the Jets can have him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's the the thing. Oh, I did forget that part. Yeah, it's just that's (laughs) you do you forget that, and it makes it even more depressing. Yeah, because if this continues to get better for Seattle, you're saying okay, at least the Jets don't have as good of a first round pick, but. This, the ceiling, this team doesn't have a championship ceiling. I think through five weeks, what we've seen, they're not one of the best teams in football. The Cowboys would absolutely smoke this team right now, you would believe. Yeah. Again, maybe they, they have this magnificent turnaround and they figure it out. But it just doesn't feel likely. So then you can't even root for the bottom to fall out. Go get the top five pick and maybe get a quarterback <laughs> in the future because you don't even have your first rounder. <laughs> I mean, out of the gates with Russ Hurt out for potentially two months and you're two and three, it it couldn't be worse. Couldn't have gone this couldn't be any worse. It couldn't be any worse. I guess you could be one and four, one and five, but this is about as bad as it could possibly be. And what's wild is that at halftime of the Rams game, I think people are feeling pretty good because they're three or three or two and two 
you're controlling the Rams. They played a very good game. They should have been up by more at halftime. And then the, everything goes to shit. Yeah. I, think, I think also, I think you, you tweeted at halftime of the Titans game that the Seahawks look like the best team in the league at three, six quarters, which they did. And then Derek Henry happened. And now the whole, yeah, shit in a handbasket or whatever the uh, phrase is. Um, Positive, you got that. You crushed it. Positive things, Adam. Um, positive things. This is the pedestrian podcast. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is the. Yeah. We don't do positive things. Yeah. I mean, look, every great thirty for thirty has like you know two names in it. You know, if it's Ali and Fraser, and you know, Fan and Adams can't be split. You know, there's two careers that are intertwined, and <laughs> look, I guess to the layman which is me, who knows nothing about anything, watches Jamal Adams and thinks, well, he's just awful. And if he wasn't called Jamal Adams, he'd probably be benched or cut. And then I go onto Twitter and I see like the real tape heads, the one that like invent words for coverages. And, you know, you could look around your room and say, Wagner's in camera frame and uh, Daryl Taylor's in refrigerator and like, you know, the hook, hook slant bullshit and all that rubbish. And they're telling me that Jamal Adams is playing well. And that's worse for me because $17 million works out at a million dollars a game. So that means that someone says that he has earned his $1 million for his performance against the Rams because apparently he played well, according to the tape junkies. I would much rather everyone say he's playing terribly because then I could say, okay, he's playing badly. So it'll improve and we'll get our money's worth. If this is what him playing well is, then what the hell was the point in signing a contract? Like, as I said in the summer, the draft is a referendum from the NFL on what positions are important. And half of them take a position they have to take. And the other half take a position that's like, they think is going to be important. And no one picked a safety because safeties don't even, and strong safety, no one took a a strong safety. There were no safeties in the first round. So it's a position that doesn't really matter according to the league. And it's all the money in the world. And apparently he's playing well for it. What are we doing here? Sorry, that's a real rant. And I apologize. I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I will not claim to know as much as the tape junkies. I have a hard time watching through any of it and finding a way to justify that he's playing well. And I agree to you that, that it makes it worse. Like if this is well, and this is what these folks are expecting of him, then everyone who said that a box safety is not worth two first round picks is justified. Sure. Everyone who said paying a box safety 17 plus million dollars a year is justified. And they just have to point to those videos and say, these guys think he's playing well. He hasn't made a single splash play yet. At no point have you watched any game and thought, man, Jamal Adams is a reason why they are winning or in this game or whatever. And that sort of stuff is obvious to layman and untrained eyes. I'm I'm not an X's nose expert. I'm trying to continue to learn. But, I mean, between blowing up his own teammate when he (laughs) lowered his shoulder and smoked Jordan Brooks – I get it. Tyler Higby ran a good route and it was a great throw, but it was, it was, it was an out towards the, the, the corner of the end zone and he had six yards of separation. I, you know, like if, if Jamal Adams is blanketed on him and Stafford, I, I do believe that great offense beats great defense unless an offensive line just can't protect at all. 
worth a lick. But a great offense beats a great defense. I think the Browns are a very good defense. Justin Herbert carved them up last week. <laughs> but like, so that so that's fine. Perfect throws are going to beat good coverage. We've seen Russell Wilson do it how many times? But that was the simple pitch and catch. You and I are making that throw. So Aikman called okay, it a mismatch. It was a, Tyler Higby's good, and it was a good route. But are we really using that as? you know, get out of jail free card for Jamal. So to me, the biggest red flag was when Pete said a couple of weeks ago, they were still trying to figure out the best way to use him. And it's like, holy shit, you get two first round picks and a record contract. And this is year two. And you're still trying to figure that out. I mean, to me, you just have to rush him more. Like you, you have to let him have him play the same role he did last year, rush him nine times a game, let him start collecting some sex. Cause then at least there's some impact plays. And if you're getting beat in the back end, well, you're already getting beat in the back end. You're getting beat by simple cover three beaters, guys crossing over the middle. The, 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 the Rams just took the Vikings game plan and copied and pasted it and ran the same play over and over and over and over again with different guys running the same routes. And the Seahawks had no answer. So it's not just Jamal. And it's Pete. It's everyone else the team. It's John Schneider. It's the players he's drafted. It's Ken Norton Jr., I think that's what's the most frustrating is given the investment, both draft pick wise and in terms of salary cap, there's, and in terms of stability from a coaching standpoint, there's just no excuse for it to be as comprehensively bad. And it is comprehensively bad right now. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's not all on, but it's, there is a certain thing where it's on Pete to use him how, it's it's just it's the worst example of them trading for someone like Percy and Jimmy, and even Sheldon Richardson and Clowney even, and not using them, just putting them in their system and just like, well, this is what we do here, ignoring the things that he is good at, isn't it? It's, it's like this, this Jamal it may not be playing up to the contract, but is he being in the, put in a position to play up to the contract at the same time? No, I know clearly not. You know, I. You know, you look at the deep ball where it was underthrown and Jamal Adams got turned around. You see oftentimes like DBs get beat when the ball's underthrown and they feel like the offense kind of got lucky. But like he looked up, saw it, turn and ran, never was able to make another play on the ball. You just you think the best safety in football would would find a way to make a play on that ball. So it's not just the coverage, the ball skills, it's the tackling, it's it's the inability to get home when he is rushing the passer. It's just none of it's there. None of it has been good enough. And, you know, and I, I don't have anything personally against the guy. I, I, I'm i taking an L on this one. I was a supporter of the trade. I was a supporter of giving him the contract. And here we are. So, I don't know. It's bad. And you hope it can get better. And you hope that the, the tape heads are, are wrong and that, like, he's not playing very well. So that there can be some growth to where he becomes a reason why they start winning games. But without Russ, they're going to need him. And that's what Bobby Wagner said this week. It's up to the defense to carry this team now. And I'm very curious to see if they're able to. Yeah. And obviously on that, Lovis Wilson, Geno Smith is the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. Jake Luton backed him up. Blake Bortles came in for a cup of coffee and left rather rapidly which I'm not too sure if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. But um, this is... I, I watched bits of the, the Broncos 
Steelers game, and it was like watching the Seahawks, what I think the Seahawks are going to look like on Sunday. You got Cortland Sutton playing the DK Metcalf role. You got no Noah Fant being the non-existent tight end in the offense. You got a near running game with names, and then you got the Steelers defense led by TJ Watt just absolutely teeing off on that O line and getting to the quarterback and doing just about enough. It got close to the end, but that was kind of like, oh, I'm going to watch that game at four o'clock in the morning in seven days' time. <laughs> that uh, Adam, I don't know if you saw much of that game, but. Why is this still on prime time? Yeah, I don't know how I haven't flexed it out. I mean, even for our own good self, you'd have thought Roger would have read at least one of our tweets. <laughs> but apparently not. No. I think it's outrageous mm-hmm. behavior. Um too busy yeah. reading John Gruden emails. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, been been imminent. Um yeah, I mean, 5 a.m. watching Ben Roethlisberger get the ball out in half a second to like Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson against do we even have two cornerbacks left on the roster? I, I don't even know. Um, Cindy Jones will be in the vicinity. Yeah, he'll do. We do that Madden thing where he dives to try and make a tackle, like the, where you press the wrong button on the controller and the, the, the guys dive to make a tackle, which uh, was quite amazing. Uh, look, at least the secondary are making a lot of highlight worthy plays, but they're going that way instead of going that way at the minute. Um, yeah, I'm not looking forward to this game. I think people are, well, in, in classic Seahawk kind of discourse, like Geno Smith. They, they say the name like that and he sounds good, but it's Geno Smith, like the Jets and Giants, Geno Smith. We need a Tessator, don't we? We need Tessator just to like emphasize Geno or yeah. like that. Or just go and to yes, and that would just be... And like, look, he played well with no tape on him against the Rams, but I don't think the Steelers are going to be uh, that wet behind the ears. Uh, what do you reckon, Joe, about number seven against number seven? Clash of the Titans. <laughs> I think if they're, if you put together a list of teams that this current Seahawks team could beat. I think the Steelers would be on it. The Steelers have not looked good at all this season. Ben Roethlisberger looks cooked. Now, he looks cooked when you can get to him. How much faith do we have the Seahawks are going to be able to get to him? This is a great game for Jamal Adams to rush nine times. The defense has been good. Really, that Broncos game was as best as they looked. TJ Watt's been tremendous, but beyond that, it hasn't been spectacular. So... Yeah, I guess give him a shot. Gino looked good. Gino looked like he was in command. He's been here, been here, been in Seattle. I'm not here. Been in Seattle a long time. So he should be comfortable in the offense, and he should be comfortable with the guys around him. I liked what I saw from him. And and granted, yeah, there's not a ton of tape on, you know, what he looks like in a Seahawks uniform. But, you know, Russell has holes in his game. And if Gino, well, maybe not having the explosives that Russ will be able to create – He's still mobile. He's still able to manipulate the pocket. And if you can start getting your tight ends involved, who have been non-existent, invisible with Gerald Everett and Will Disley, that's a bonus. You just have to hope he doesn't turn the ball over in bunches. Mm. If they're if they're punting and kicking field goals and score a touchdown here and there, they can get to 17 or 20. Maybe you have a chance to win that game. Now, if the Steelers have if Ben Roethlisberger has Ben Roethlisberger has all day to throw. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Najee Harris, they worry you, but I just I don't buy the Steelers are very good. And mm-hmm. to me, this the Seahawks find a way to be more resilient than they should be and at least hang around. But I would give them a chance to win this game. What's the uh handicap? Uh, it's four and a half, I believe. Pittsburgh are giving four and a half. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would take, I would 
I think usually, I'd take the Seahawks there. It's usually three in it for the home team. That's like the. Yeah. So I would, you know, like what my other play I would make is tease it, get six extra points and put it at 10 and a half, mm-hmm. which I feel good about with the Seahawks. I also can't believe it's on prime time. You know, Chargers, <laughs> Chargers, Ravens is just like screaming and begging to be yeah. on prime time. But yeah. no, the, the country gets Steelers, Seahawks. Yeah, uh, that. Uh, I mean, Al Michaels is even sitting this one out. We've got Mike Sirico in the booth yeah. this week. Um, it's not as bad as you guys. You guys got Jets, Falcons last week, and now you get Dolphins, Jags. So, I mean, I mean Kyle Pitts was fun. Kyle Pitts was fun. Like it, I mean, it took it took it took the Falcons five weeks to figure out how to use him. It took Jason Garrett five weeks to figure out that offense uh, to figure out how to use Tony Kadarius Tony before he punched someone with a helmet. Um, yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe this, if Jason Garrett, are you guys going to go? Are you guys close enough to go? Well, it's, it's Adam. It's, it's my it's my it's my home stadium, but I mean, I would not go. I, I I'm working most Sundays, but I mean, you couldn't pay me to go and watch that drivel. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. How much are tickets? About a hundred bucks. That's not terrible. No, it's not too bad. But to be honest, like I'd rather watch it on the couch and then watch all the red, other red zone stuff come in and watch the soccer at the same time. Like I go to that stadium and be miserable more than enough times <laughs> to need to go and watch NFL football be maybe miserable as well. Does it hurt your soul to say soccer? No, it's fine. Oh, okay. it's what it's okay. called. It's a, a soccer football association football. Anyway, yeah, but- I think I've said that before. So it's like the one thing I took from 23 grand and three years at uni. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a suck. Uh, right, uh, I think that's everything. I can't. Um, how was the cracking game? The, the, the yes, oh, how man. was that? That was really cool. I'm super lucky that I live here now and I got to see their their first ever game. Uh, the whole vibe down by the arena, they've built it out so great. I mean, there's there's so many. There's DJs, there's bars, restaurants. People are going nuts, having a great time. There was tons of cracking jerseys, which is really cool. They put on a show for their pregame entertainment. It is, it is full on Vegas. It's you are going to see a show and their pregame's awesome and all that's really neat. Um, Kraken came out um, and almost scored like two different times in the first 30 seconds then earned a penalty. Um, didn't score on the power play and they proceed to give up three quick goals. You're thinking, oh, it's going to be a route <laughs> and here we go. But it's easy to forget. Even before they were down 3 nothing, you just see those jerseys and, and you think – you know, this is a new kid on the block. And, and I just kind of had this, like, these are like the little giants, uh, underdog team, you know, lovable losers. And it's, you, you forget, these aren't just, this isn't the replacements. This isn't, this isn't Keanu Reeves. Um, and, and a you know, movie. project misfit toys. I mean, this is, these are professionals who have been in the NHL for quite some time. So yeah, they battle back and score some goals. You're like, Oh, okay. Maybe this team is, is okay. So yeah, I, it was a blast. And it's, I've never really followed regular season hockey. Going to games is great. Playoff hockey is a lot of fun to watch. Um, but not growing up with a team, it's it's hard to feel super emotionally attached to anything in the NHL. But um, I'm going to do my best, even from afar. To uh, right here, I got my you know got my hat. So <laughs> I'm a lifelong Kraken fan. <laughs> one team, one team that you did grow up with, and you know we both follow Seattle social media, so it's difficult to avoid the chat about all the sports and actually I got into it this year and that, that was baseball and the Mariners or the Nurs yes. uh, as, as oh. you go with which you know, oh, is, uh, I didn't understand the point of 162 game baseball season because it felt to me like there's too many pointless games and wasted games but then when you see the crescendo that's built up and you get a week like you had at the end I mean it must just 
be <laughs> I, it's I insane. really thought you were gonna put a mariner's hat on there. I was like, this is like the generation yeah. game. If you had a mariner's lid, that would have been amazing. <laughs> I, I can go get it. Uh, <laughs> that was wild. I, I don't get stressed out about sports very often because I'm just not emotionally attached to anybody, really. And the mariners are usually out of it by May to where <laughs> you just don't care. But it felt like they played a playoff game every night for about a two-week span. And you kept feeling like they're going to break your heart, they're going to break your heart. And they ultimately did, but, man, they gave it a run. And this team was a whole lot of fun to watch. And, I mean, I'm standing up, pacing in front of the TV, yelling at it. I mean, that was – when they had – when they controlled their own destiny the last weekend of the season, I had a buddy come to town from Seattle. We're right here watching my TV and we're yelling. And then they lost – so they no longer control their own destiny, ended up not making the playoffs, and it was soul crushing. <laughs> Granted, I had a bet on the Angels, so you made a little money. You had the emotional hedge there, but it's filthy uh, money. It's filthy money. Yeah, it all spends the same, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, now the Mariners just got a, a case of spending, isn't it, over the next six months? Yeah, now, yeah. I mean, and Mitch Haniger just wrote a piece in the Players Tribune about, hey, this team is just getting started. The drought will end. Um, and he basically called out the front office and said, I hope you all are reading this because it's time to go make some moves and, and make sure this team is ready to go. It, <laughs> you're, you could see a paradigm shift. I mean, for a long time, Seattle was a baseball town. Yeah. And with the Seahawks potentially taking a nosedive here and the Mariners on the upswing and the pieces are in place and more on the way, you know, when you talk about prospects, for this to be a team that is like the Astros, that is perennially a World Series contender. God, wouldn't that be something, man? A guy can dream. I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but a guy can dream. Uh, right, before we let you go, a quick spin in the bin because there's been loads of bin-worthy moments. Uh, I, I remember that one between Aston and Rami. Lincoln Riley cancelled his media availability yesterday because a member of the student newspaper at Oklahoma um, used binoculars to see that Spencer Rattler wasn't practising as a starting quarterback, that the starting quarterback was there, had managed to get in touch with Spencer Rattler's dad for pretty uh, uh, inflammatory quotes about his son's status in Norman, and Lincoln Riley read it, found out, and cancelled media availability <laughs> because a student journalist basically did his job. That student journalist probably got kicked out of school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like college coaches are a weird breed. I mean, a super what? weird breed. Co- coaches in general are a weird yeah, breed. Co- they, they treat college they coaches. treat game plans and play calls and play sheets like it's the nuclear football. But, they treat it like it's state secrets. I mean, it's the the paranoia that happens in front offices and with coaches and locker rooms i mean it's insanity yeah so that doesn't surprise me at all but it is it's silly yeah. i mean there's, there's that awful red flag meme going around twitter today which can already get in the bin itself but the biggest red flag about coaches is that they they expect to be called coach just in general day life which is yeah. it's it's quite unbelievable that a human being coach. would have that level yeah it's coach and also <laughs> Also, baseball's coaches have squad numbers. Yeah. And wear the kits, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they, wear, yeah, they wear uniforms, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, but that. yeah, Lincoln Riley can get them. And they're called, yeah, they're called managers, just like managers. in the Premier League. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I like Lincoln Riley, but that is just, come on, man. Like, Spencer Rattler is clearly not the dude 
just come out and say he's not the guy because he, I mean, Netflix was a QB one shared the other. Um, yeah, he was great. But he was a 16, 17 year old kid, but he seems to still have those issues. But yeah, I mean, fair play to that student journalist going all that way for a gig. I'm going to guess is unpaid student newspaper. It has to be unpaid. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. maybe you like a little bit of, you know, yeah. food money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know there's other things that's happened in the NFL this week, but Lincoln Riley can get in a bin. Adam? Now, go on, Joe. You're, you're always an, an elite binner. So uh, I'm sure you got a good one for us. Oh, man, I wish I would have prepared on this. Who am I putting in the bin? Oh, gosh. <clears throat> I'm trying to think. What, what dumb things have happened this week? What have I, what have I watched and been like? I mean, I, I, I mean I, I've, got, I, I've seen a few Seahawks fans talking about, hey, you know, if Gino can, can go two on one in the next three games, that could make the decision on Russ a little bit easier. Um, on moving on from Russell Wilson. <laughs> oh, like that, those are words that have come out of human beings' mouths. Um, so I don't know if that, look at every could... like the numbers, the advanced analytics, all of it. Russ is like top tier in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And like, has he been flawless? No. Have the have the second halves been frustrating? Yes. Was there a bunch of missed opportunities against Tennessee? Sure. But like, come on, careful what you wish for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Geno Smith. Yeah. So, I like Geno. I'm really pulling for him. But yeah, perspective's important. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm feeling good. I don't, I don't think I have anyone. It's, it's, it's what a Vegas sunshine. That's what it is. It's put in the bin. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm playing golf quite a bit. Well, that's, actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know you've got someone to put in the bin. Oh, that's perfect. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, man. I'm so glad I remembered this. It, it, it clicked just as you were also saying the same thing. <laughs> Uh, Brooks Kepka could get in the fucking bin. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Give us a story, Joe. We, if, if so people didn't see it on Bryson, t- though. This is a Team great Bryson, story. For sure. And I liked Brooks forever. And now he just, he is the jabroni of all jabronis. So I'm on the third hole at the Shriners Open. It's the, it's the course I belong to. Uh, they had, they host the PGA event last week. I went out, standing on hole three, following Brooks Kapka the first nine. I wanted to watch him play. And he hits a drive, and the guy behind him, you know how they have, like, the sticks where, like, they're kind of like air traffic controllers where they go, <laughs> like, you know, left, right, you know, down the middle. This guy's going down the middle, so I'm not really paying attention. Last second, someone goes, four right, four right. I turn. And bang, bang, turn my shoulder, get smoked by the golf ball in my shoulder on the fly. And I just imagine, I felt like someone punched me in the shoulder. And you're just like, ow, fuck. And people rush over, are you good? Is everything all right? And medics come over, and they're like, you good? I actually got really lucky it didn't hit one, my head, or two, like on like the bone of the shoulder mm. blade, like I got the meat of it. Because it would like, you smack the bone right there. Like that's, that's no fun. I would imagine. So, um, I got lucky where it hit, but anyways, like people were like, you know, he's going to come up and like, he might give you something. And I was like, I don't really, you know, I don't need anything, but like, I'm expecting him to just be like a normal human <laughs> and just say, Hey, you good. Um, you know, thanks for helping me out. Cause I did, I think it was going out of bounds bounces off my shoulder 15 yards towards the fairway he pars the hole strictly because he hit me he's not making par this is and this is a long it's like a 490 yard par four 
it, when we play it, it's a par five. You had to go across the Canyon, super tough approach. He's in the desert. You have to punch out and then go up and down, which would be really tough. He's bogeying at least. Anyways, he walks up. People were like, you hit this guy. And someone inside the ropes, the guy who actually yelled four, you know, tells him and his cat, hey, you hit that guy. He may as well have said, good. I was aiming for him. He didn't acknowledge me, didn't flinch. He goes, he hits his shot. He makes his par. And I was just, I was floored. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that he didn't say anything. So he, that, that guy can get in the fucking bin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, that's that. and, and, and like you said at the start, Joe's always got an elite tier. He's always got elite. He's one of the few that gets him and Dugard get the bin. You get it. Yeah. You get it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had this conversation that, you know, banter can be hard to find in, uh, in the States over here. So... But also, yeah. but also, I back Webb Simpson. He missed the cut. So, oh maybe, man, I think I'm probably he put me in the bin for sure. <laughs> he got my locker and proceeds to miss the cut. <laughs> today, they're they're still in Vegas. I think he was like minus three today. Oh, that's good. He's, I'm glad I he's probably super me. thankful he doesn't. He wouldn't have my locker. I tweeted at him, and he probably saw it and was like, "This guy sucks." <laughs> that's for the move. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyone have them? No, I've, I've done mine. I've, done, I've got my Seahawks fans oh. right in the bin. I think we can probably skirt the John Gruden stuff because it's probably a little bit heavy-handed for, for midnight. And I think everything that needs to be said on that has probably been said. Uh, you know, shout out to Carl Nassib and and the likes of that and hope they're they're all good because, uh, yeah, that must have been a pretty shit position to, to be in. So hope they're uh, all good and getting through it. And props to Brandon Staley for what he said because uh, who would have thought that Brandon Staley was, uh, was, was the hero we all needed? I mean... Every every week he's got a couple quotes that go viral, and he is just he's the media darling for good reason. He seems like he's totally got it. I mean, yeah, and dude. also that Chargers Browns game is the most fun I've had watching the NFL this season. That was a blast. Was, that um, game was awesome. I think it was even more fun than the Colts and, and Ravens game. Yeah, it was um, unbelievable. I love uh, it. Hey, until Sunday night, Stu, when the Seahawks yeah. had head to the banks of the three rivers and take on Ben Roethlisberger in a 17-14 win for the ages. Yeah, that, sounds, that sounds like 47-42. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joe, where can people catch you and catch your win bet? Uh, yeah, check out the Bet to Win podcast, W-Y-N-N, wherever you listen to podcasts, listen to the Pedestrian podcast, and then check that one out. Uh, find me on Twitter. I haven't moved. Uh, Joe underscore fan. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. Yeah, get, get yourself back on KJR as soon as you can because those shows were amazing over the summer whether it was with Softy or Dick or some of the other guys they, you did a hell of a job holding it down oh, I appreciate that it was a ton of fun I really enjoyed it uh, those are good people over there so that was cool that was a cool opportunity I mean, I, I did message Shocky to say this guy needs a full time job so maybe Shocky can get in the bin for uh, not taking my <laughs> advice and sending you packing down to Las Vegas outrageous behaviour yeah. Well, uh, they, they were, they were good to me. They were good to me. I, I think they were still working on it when, uh, when I got this job and I, I couldn't turn down the, turn down the offer. So we'll have that conversation <laughs> off air. Right. Yeah. Or use your means and methods to listen to this. Follow us patreon.com for us to pedestrian podcast, Spotify, iTunes, and podbean.com until next time. Enjoy the game. Uh, watch the game. Whatever means you need to fit. Uh, yeah. Until next time, this has been the pedestrian podcast. Go Hawks.